take your Bibles, if you would please, and turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. It's where we started today, and I'm excited about concluding our time together. I hope to be just um, not terribly long, but I hope we can be very pointed and very helpful in the message this evening. Thank you very much. 2 Peter chapter 3. If you're at home, can I encourage you to take your Bible and, and open it up and turn there and get ready uh, for what God has for us. We're going to begin reading in 2 Peter chapter 3. And I want you to look at it with me, beginning in verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness. But as long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be with all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening, that's a great word right there, unto the coming of the, the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Verse 15, look at it with me and read it with me, would you please, wherever you may be. The account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Let's pray together. Can we please? Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please take the moments we're together, and I pray you'd use them to be a blessing. You do all things well. You're our God. We love you. We trust you. Even in things we don't understand, and even though the world may be really struggling, I don't have to struggle. I can trust you. Our people can trust you. Thank you that you give us so much information in the Bible. Thank you, Lord, that you give us comfort from your word. I pray that you would please bless in the message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to continue, if we can, please, what we talked about this morning. If you were in the service this morning, or you watched on live stream, or you heard it on the radio, you know that we talked about what God said in 2 Peter about the three worlds. The world that was, the world that now is, and the world that is to come. And this passage of Scripture, as, as Peter finishes up his second letter written to friends who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, who he loves and cares about, he challenges them with information because there were many scoffers. In this day we have scoffers and in that day we have scoffers. But he begins to divide up and said the three worlds was the world that was and that was in the days of Noah. We see that it was created by God's word. It was marred by sin and it was moved by judgment of a great flood. That's the way it was. Even then, God was patient. He allowed jo Jonah to, excuse me, Noah, to, uh, to build the ark for 120 years. He was called the preacher of righteousness. He preached the word of God. And so while the judgment of God was 
was a coming down and winding down and the hammers, the tinging of the hammers, the wrath of God was coming, the patience of God continued. God was still letting someone preach the gospel. We talked about Methuselah. Methuselah, the oldest man that ever lived, 969 years. Do you know why he lived so long? His name meant when he is gone, it will come. And many Bible scholars can take you to the Bible and show you that on the day that he died, that's when rain became uh, evident and rain began to fall. The flood began to come. God's judgment opened up. And we see that God let the oldest man recorded history live because he was waiting for somebody else to decide to get into the ark. God is very patient with us. He's also very involved in mankind. They said all things will continue as they always are. It's just a cycle of life and God's not involved. Let me tell you, friend, God's involved. <laughs> He's all in. He knows what's going on and he didn't just, just uh, sit back and just watch the world go by. He's very engaged in what's happening in your life and in my life and in the world today. He is not concerned. He is not worried. He doesn't even have a headache. He's fine. But... To say he's not involved is a mistake. And that is oftentimes people want to take him out of the origin of the world and say he's, he, he is not involved in creation. They scoff when you say that the world was created. They're taught to do that. They're taught to ridicule. But may I tell you something, friend? God was there when things started. <laughs> in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he'll be there when things end as we know it. His word is true and his plan. He is very involved. He is, however, not. He works in time, but he's not limited by time. He says a day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. But he said in that old time, he, he made the world by his word. The world was marred by sin and it was moved by the judgment of the flood. And then God begins to say through his instrument and Peter saying, in latter times, many scoffers will come and we live in that time. It was back in, it was back then too. I'm sure Noah, Ham, Shem and Japheth heard their share of jokes and scoffers. It's not going to rain. It's never rained. What are you talking about? You're crazy. And you know, this world thinks we deserve to go to the funny farm. Matter of fact, some of our politicians think they would have a good society if they didn't have you and I as Bible-believing people. But let me tell you something, friend. Scoffers are nothing new, and they have been and they will be continued. And if you're a scoffer, let me tell you something real quick. Look up in here real quickly. You can laugh your way into hell, but you're not laugh your way out of it. You can make all the jokes you want. You can chuckle and make fun of what God's trying to do in this world and in your life and the life around us. And you can laugh your way right into hell, but you won't laugh your way out of it. You will not be laughing for all the eons of eternity. Say, Pastor, you're trying to scare me. If it works, I hope I can. Some people get saved because of compassion and love that's continually communicated. Some people get saved because of fear. I'd like to tell you, friend, if you're laughing your way into hell, you need to stop, get serious, and come to Jesus Christ. I hope you'll do that. 
It's my prayer. I'm not trying to be unkind to you. I was thankful when someone one day told me the truth, told me that I was a sinner, told me I deserved to die and go to hell, told me that Jesus was my only hope and I could believe him and receive him as my Savior. And it was the best day of my life. It would be the best day of your life. And our day and time is known and marked by scoffers. It's also known by sin. Sin has definitely created lots of issues. Say, Pastor, I just don't see it. Turn your television on. <laughs> see what's happened around the world. Say, what's wrong with our world? What's it coming to? Number one, it's coming to God, but it's coming to God because of sin and looking forward to God's judgment. The Bible tells us that God's spirit will not always strive with man. There is a judgment coming. God is, God is going to bring judgment. But this society is known by scoffing. It's known by sin, and it rests upon it a sentence. There's a sentence coming to our world. And it's not going to be with water. It's going to be with fire. We saw it this morning. Let's look at it again. Can we please? The Bible tells us, if you would please, to look at uh, verse number 7. But the heavens and the earth, by the way, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He's talking about everything he's created, what we know, what we see here. Um, which are now, this is the time we live in now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. We read already that in verse number 10, but the day of the Lord, that is a day of judgment. That is, that is when God begins to bring judgment upon this planet. It will come as a thief of the night. There'll not be a lot of advanced warnings. They're not going to come and knock on the door and say, I'm coming tomorrow. Get ready. That means you got to be ready right now. I need to be ready right now. He said, the, it's going to come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with a fervent heat and the earth and the, and the works therein shall be burned up. I want you to notice real quickly that we find the sentence is going to be a judgment by fire. The Bible says there's fire in store that's reserved in fire. I, I mentioned that this morning, but one day God said he's going to dissolve. He's going to cut loose the atomic world, in my opinion, and things are going to fire. There will not be a guy to push a, a red button. There's, God's going to be pushing any buttons. And he's going to loose the atomic world, and whether it be water, whether it be dirt, whether it be wood, whether it be a television screen, whether it be a car, a house, a brick, a board, whatever it is, it's going to melt with a fervent heat. Everything in this planet that you and I see and experience in the heavens or in the earth, God's going to deal with. And that's going to happen to the world that is now. He said the world that was, the world that is now. And then I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about the world to come. About the world to come. By the way, he reminds us, people say, well, why is it taking so long? Well, God is not on our timetable. He loves mankind. And he is not slack concerning his promise. What's his promise? If I go away, I will come again. He's promised he's going to come back. He's going to straighten all the wrongs. He's going to fix things that are not right. And he's going to deal with, with sin. And he's going to come. And we can trust him. And we can look forward to it. He said, I'm not slack concerning my promise. As some men evaluate me or count slackness. But God is, says he's un, he's not willing that any would perish. He's long-suffering to usward. Aren't you glad he was long-suffering to you? Aren't you glad he's long-suffering to me? 
He's long-suffering to me as a child of God, but he's also long-suffering thinking about people that need Jesus Christ, that, that he would love to bring to Christ and bring to his son Jesus. And we'll, we'll see in a moment that it motivates us. And then he says here, he's going to come as a thief in the night. He's going to come unannounced and he's going to take vengeance upon this world as we know it. And then the Bible tells us he's going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. Now this is not just for information's sake. This is not just for speculation. This is not just for an argument. This is for motivation. God's given to us this to, to, to give us a proverbial kick in the pants and say, John, do something. You got just a short time. Everything in this world is going to be burnt up with a fervent heat. I'm going, to, I'm going to loosen the atoms of the world, the nucleus, the, the, uh, I'm going to loosen the uh, neutrons and the protons, and it's going to be crazy, and I'm going to bring judgment on this world. So I, you have a little bit of time, John, to do something about it. Yes. And I pray that God will help us to be urgent about this. I think every great Christian has lived with the imminent return of Jesus Christ in mind. I think our Savior modeled that. As I said this morning, he said in John chapter 9, I must work the works of him who sent me while his day, the night cometh when no man can work. Hey, let me tell you something, friend. Just a few days you're going to stand before Jesus. That will motivate you. That ought to challenge you. Let's look at the passage of Scripture and we'll see a couple things and we'll conclude. What do I need to do? Well, the future world we see in verse number 13, Nevertheless, this is reference to the next world, we, according to his promise, this is something he promised ahead of time, we look for a new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Say, Pastor, what do we know about this new heavens? First of all, a new earth. It's promised by God. It's promised. God made a promise. Can you, can you count on his promise? Can you trust his promise? He said that we won't always live in a sin-cursed world. I'm looking forward to that, friend. Everything in this world has been tainted by sin and Satan and a worldly society. He said, I want you to make sure that you know I've promised you a new heaven, a new earth to live in. See, that's why God tells us that whatever we have to go through in this lifetime is so small. If I could just get one thing across to my own heart and to your heart, is we ought to live for the eternity, not for this life. We are duped in thinking, well, we just want to have a good life. You know how you have a good life? You live for the next life. Who said this? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It was Jesus who said that. We get so caught up in our comfort. We get so caught up in convenience. We get so caught up in our own dreams and, and things we want to do. And we're going to weep and howl one day when we realize how little we did in thinking about the eternal. We just think about the next meal, the next restaurant, the next vacation, the next car, the next house, the next thing, the next thing that we can enjoy. And all those things are not in of themselves wrong. But we oftentimes do that and we don't mind. We'll drop $1,000 here, here and we'll give $20 to God and think we killed the big one. We'll, we'll spend working 50, 60, 70 hours a week and someone asks us to visit a bus route for two hours and we got too much going for that. We, we got opportunities, we'll take this job, we'll take this job, but someone asks us to, to serve in a capacity in church or do something, we won't do that. We'll spend three hours working on our lawn, someone asks us to wipe down a pew in church, it's like, you know, I hope someone will do that. 
I don't mean to be unkind to you, friend. I just think our, our priorities are, are, are skewed sometimes. They're challenged. And a lot of it is because we don't believe that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I think Peter is rattling our cage here. He said, when you look about the past world and you look about this future world, it's a promised world, it's a pure world, and it's provided by a God in heaven who loves us. He said, it's a place where dwelleth righteousness. You know what this world is? It's a place where unrighteousness prevails. You can look at CNN, NBC, or Fox, and you're just going to see junk. You're going to see homosexuality running rampant. You're going to see right is wrong and wrong is right. You're going to see evolution. Go to any national park and they'll just shove it down your throat. Twelve million years ago, the Grand Canyon was formed by the Colorado over a time of 12. They just say it out loud as though it's fact, though it disagrees with God's word. You go to the higher institutions of higher learning, you'll see God is spit in the face. His, his truths are, are irrelevant. They're made fun of. There's scoffing going on. But God's people ought to be motivated by these things. He said, seeing that all this is going on, he tells us, I want to I ask you, what kind of manner of life do you live? Let's look at that passage of Scripture there. He says, he says the what for? With all this happening, if you look, if, if you would please, at verse number 7, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be with a holy conversation and godliness? Say, Pastor, what, what does God want me to do? You know what he wants us to do? That word manner means kind of like out of this world, so different. We should live so differently because we got the inside scoop on future events. God has told us. He's told us what's going to happen. He didn't tell us when, but he tells us, I'm coming back. And when I do, I will exercise vengeance on this world and everything we want to live for in this nasty now and now is going to melt with a fervent heat. And if, that, if we know that, he says, now, how should that change the way you live and the way I live? You know, what we believe determines what we do. If you don't believe in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll probably have a really low life. Oh, how we need to elevate our opinion about what God says. And it should change the way we live in all holy conversation and godliness. Conversation means how you live. Listen, let me ask you something, friend. Do you live a holy life? Would your neighbor say you are holy? Would your husband, your wife, your kids, your mom or dad? Let me tell you something. You can't live a holy life on a diet of HBO, Netflix, you're not, going to do, you're not going to live a holy life on, on rock music and country music. You're not going to live a holy life on salsa, hip-hop, all that garbage. You're not going to do it. And you know what? If you think about this for just a second, God is coming back. The Lord Jesus is coming back. And when He does, He's not going to come back as a lamb. He's not going to come as a little baby. He's going to come back as a lion and a king of kings and the Lord of lords. And to execute judgment on this world, one of the things you'll find in the book of 2 Peter several times is the word destruction. It should change the way I live. Your opinion and my opinion of God and His return should affect my holy living and my uh, godliness. Living in such a godly way. 
Look at verse number 14, would you please? It should affect also my, se my separation. Wherefore, beloved, seeing ye look for these such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. When the Lord Jesus comes back, will you be found in him in peace? That'll be something you think about. Would you look, if you would please, take your Bibles right now, hold your place there, and turn to 1 John chapter 2. I hope I'm right on this. I think it's verse number uh, 28. 1 John chapter 2. Here's what the Bible tells us. Would you look at it with me? If you don't mind, wherever you are in your home, would you read this out loud with me? Verse 28 of chapter 2 of the book of 1 John. Let's read it together. Are you ready? And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear we may be confident and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. You know, the Bible tells us that when He comes, I don't want to be ashamed before Him. I want to be at peace with God. You know, when you live right, you can die right. When you live right, you anticipate the coming of Christ. If you live wrong, you're going to be struggling with that. He tells us, if we understand what God did in the old world, with the corruption and the condemnation, what he's done in the now and what he's got planned for, all this is going to happen. We should live for eternity. It should, it should affect the way I live. Are you a godly Christian? Can we tell by your countenance? Can we tell by your, by your investment, by your faithful living? I'm fearful that many of us, we have cold hearts. And we're just, we're just cold in our hearts. We have unfaithful lives. We have worldly, worldly enjoyments. There's no difference between the holy and profane. I think what we believe about the coming of Christ will challenge us to, first of all, live a cleaner life, a holy life before the Lord, a righteous life. I think it's going to challenge us to be unspotted from the world and anticipate His coming and to be blameless. You know, you're in the world. You're not supposed to be of the world. He said you ought to keep the world off of you. Today I was eating some tortellini soup and I was nervous I was going to get it on my shirt because it gets spotted it really messes things up, especially in the camera. But you know the truth of the matter is I want to make sure I ought to be just as concerned that I not get spotted by the world. I want to make sure I'm in the world, but the world is not in me. And then the Bible tells us that it ought to help us be more soul conscious. I want you to look real quickly at verse 15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. You don't wonder why God is still waiting? Because He's waiting for your neighbor to get saved. He's waiting for your classmate to get saved. He's waiting for your, your employer, your employee, your fellow co-laborer. He's waiting for the mission field, people that are there to get to hear the gospel of Christ. When we think about the coming of Christ, it should change the way we live. It should cause me to be more separated unto God from the world, not more worldly. Which could cause me to be more soul conscious. And then the last verse of this passage, it says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How well do you know the Lord? In just a few days, you're going to see Him. And when He comes back, will He be a stranger to you? Will you be very ignorant of His word and His ways? Or will it be uh, like, oh, that's how I knew you would be like that. I get it. I understand that. I read the book beforehand. 
I knew how you would be. You know, sometimes I've met people and I didn't know them, but I could tell they knew me. They listened to me preach. They had read a book from my, that I wrote about my dad. And they, they began to tell me things about myself. And we meet. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't have to tell them where I was born. They know. I don't have to tell them how many kids that I have. They know I have nine children. I don't have to tell them my wife's name. They already know me. You know why? Because they studied me before we met. Would to God that we would be that way when we see Jesus. Thank you for listening tonight. I do not know where you are, but I want to make sure that I do not conclude tonight without giving a chance for people to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you're listening, you're not sure if you died, you go to heaven. I want to encourage you to listen just for a moment. I want to share with you from the Bible how you can be saved. I do that on a little, on, on a little section of our website. You can go there and see it. Just push slash salvation after that. It'll come to that or you can find it, how to get to heaven from here. But really there's just three principles, things you need to know and one thing you need to do. Number one, you need to know you're a sinner. Sinners deserve hell and only Jesus could save them through his death, burial, and resurrection. I know that's simple. But if you're listening tonight on the radio or you're listening tonight through this live stream and you know you've been trusting your works, don't do that. If you could earn your way to heaven, then why would Jesus have to die on the cross? If you're trusting your work, stop it. And repent. And say, you know what, I'm wrong. My only hope is Jesus. My only hope is putting my faith in Christ as my Savior. Let Christ save you. you say, Pastor, how could that happen? It's when you believe in your heart that only Jesus and His righteousness is what you need. And then you would confess that to him. And the Bible tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There was a man who asked two missionaries in the Bible, Paul and Silas, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trusting Christ and him only for your salvation. You say, Pastor, I'm ready. Would you pray right now to the Lord? Right where you are. Would you say, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell to be separated from you forever. But I believe that Jesus died. He was buried and he rose again so I could be saved. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. By faith, I accept your son. If you said that to the Lord, would you let me know that you did? Say, Pastor, how can I let you know? You could call us right now at 219 932-0711. Once again, that's 219-932-0711. If you'd like to use the email, you can contact us at connect at fbchammond.com. I'd like to send this to you. I want you to have this booklet, Understanding Salvation. We'll send it to you in the mail as soon as possible. If you would let us know you want it, we want to get that to you. I believe it's a first step that can help you grow in your walk with the Lord. If you're in our local area, we're going through this Sunday morning, 945 in the discipleship lesson or five o'clock on Sunday night, next Sunday evening. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Don't miss the opportunity to do that. If you're a child of God already, you say, Pastor, boy, am I already saved? Well, happy birthday to you again. I'm glad you got saved. But are you living a holy life? Are you living unspotted from the world? Are you concerned about souls? 
And are you growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior? If you're not, decide, you know what? Tomorrow, June 1st, is going to be a much better day for me because I am going to be anticipating the Lord's coming and it's going to change the way I live. My entertainment, my worldliness is going to go away. My heart for souls is going to increase and I'm going to get to know Christ a lot better and grow in grace. I hope you will. I believe God wants us to.